Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Monday, January 3rd, 2022. Can you remember a beautiful day where the sun was shining and you just stopped and looked up at the stars? Well, no, you probably can't because you don't look up at the stars during the day. Now, if you remember your junior high astronomy class, you know that's not because the stars aren't there during the day. They are. You just can't see them because they are blocked out by the brightness of the sun. But then at night, you can see the stars shining against the backdrop of the darkness of space. And as you think through that, these bright stars shining against this dark backdrop, you're going to see a lot of what we see in Genesis 4 through 7 today, as we start with our Old Testament reading in this chronological plan. In Genesis 4 through 7, we're going to see a lot of darkness. Uh, We're going to see the first human being that was ever born on planet Earth kill his brother. We're going to see humanity get to a point where God says, wow, you are so wicked that he is going to wipe out all of humanity except for eight people. That is pretty dark. But against that backdrop, we're going to see really some shining examples of faith as we're going to see it and consider it through the lens of all of scripture. And as we think through this, we start in Genesis 4 with the familiar story of Cain and Abel. But Genesis 4 starts with a happy note, knowing what really with the birth of Cain. And just if you, if any of you have had children, you think of the excitement of having your firstborn child and what a special thing this must have been for them. But quickly, uh, this turns into a a bad situation, and it it goes very quickly to the offerings that Cain and Abel bring, and it says the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. And and we know that as a result of the, the anger and the bitterness that stew in Cain over this, he murders his brother. However, Abel is highlighted in the New Testament as an example of faith. And that's what we're going to see. We're going to see a few characters here in Genesis 4 through 7 that end up in Hebrews chapter 11 as examples of faith. And here, Abel is one of those, even though he is this shining star of faith against the backdrop of the first murder that ever happens. In chapter 5, we see the first of what I like to say, this is where a lot of good intentions to read through the Bible in a year go to die, and that is genealogies. Uh, And here we see a genealogy, but one of the highlights, one of the standout things from here is what it says about Enoch. And it says, when Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. Enoch walked with God, and after he fathered Methuselah 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Now, that may seem like a long time to you, but that is actually stunningly short compared to the others listed in Genesis chapter 5. Um, 
that are usually 900 years. But then it says, Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. Now hold on to that and we'll come back to that. But the idea is that God just takes Enoch up to be with him. Enoch is the first one to be raptured. He walked with God and boom, God just took him uh, to be in heaven with him. And then in chapters six and seven, we get really uh, into the flood narrative and we see that it was really in response to the sin that was in the world. It says, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And so there we see again the darkness of really the state of humanity in this time. But then we see this light in this figure of Noah. And it describes Noah here as a righteous man, blameless in his generation. And he's going to respond uh, to God's warning here. And he is going to build the ark that God commands him to build. And in chapter seven, we see the flood <clears throat> begin and we see all that happens here and not just necessarily the rains coming down for 40 days and 40 nights, but it also describes even just the, the deeps bursting open, right? Even water potentially coming out from the earth and just this uh, total situation of upheaval in, in what's going on on planet earth really as a divine act of judgment. Now, I mentioned before that these figures, Abel, Enoch, and Noah are mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11. Let's just consider that for a moment, kind of as a cross-reference today. And let me just read the first seven verses. It says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts, and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. And so there we see this this element that really is in common between these three men, these three stars that we see, so to speak, against the backdrop of just all the wickedness that we see in Genesis 4 through 7, the link is faith. 
And so as we consider, how do we respond from reading Genesis 4 through 7 today? It's not just, hey, we need to go do the things that these guys did, but no, what motivated them to do the things that they did was their faith. And so I hope that as you read Genesis 4 through 7, I'm going to bet you can identify it, at least to some degree, to the darkness of the world. I may, you might not think it's reached quite the pre-flood levels. I guess we don't totally know what that was like, but you look out at the world and you say, kind of seems like we're getting to that point where the thoughts and intentions of people's heart are only on evil. You look out at the world and you might be frustrated by the darkness that you see there. Well, what's the response to that? What motivated these men was clearly their faith. And we saw in Hebrews 11 that trust in God, that belief in God, that he is who he says he is, that he will do what he has said he will do, and that we believe in him, we believe that he rewards those who seek him, and that's what drives us to do whatever it is, whether that was Abel bringing the right sacrifice, Enoch walking with God, or Noah building this ark. So you share a dark world in common with with these people. But are you also going to share their faith? Are you going to trust God today? I hope that's a lesson that we learn from Genesis 4 through 7. Now let's transition to our New Testament portion for today. And as we're starting and going through in more of a chronological order, we're going to read today from Matthew chapter 1, verses 1 through 17, and Luke chapter 3, verses 23 through 38. And here we will find, again, another genealogy, but this time the genealogy of Jesus. And again, genealogies are often something that people either try to get through and lose interest and, okay, I kind of give up uh, their their reading plan, or, okay, I'll just skip this part, but let's remember these are here for a reason. And especially in Matthew, that reason is pretty obvious Uh, Right from the beginning, in verse 1 in Matthew, it says, The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And then it goes through in more detail, and there's more that we could mine from this passage. But just notice there what's in verse 1. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. And there we see that name, Christ, uh, that Jesus Christ. Christ. And we have to be reminded it's not technically a name. It is a title. Christ is really, it comes from a Greek word and the Hebrew word is Messiah, the anointed one. So whenever we see Christ, we're so familiar with that word that we almost think of it as Jesus's last name. No, it is his title that he is the Messiah. And so this genealogy Matthew makes it clear right from the beginning, he is making a statement. He is making a case that Jesus is the Messiah. And who's the Messiah? The son of David, the son of Abraham. There's a lot of other names that come up in this genealogy, and we could dig into a lot of it. There's lots of interesting things here, but let's just focus on those two. Why do those two get drawn out more than the others? the son of David, the son of Abraham. Well, I think it's because of the promises that were made to those men. And we think of David, we think of the Davidic covenant, that God made a promise to David that one of his descendants would sit on his throne forever. When we think of Abraham, we think of the Abrahamic covenant, 
that ends with the statement that through you, through Abraham and through his descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Well, how's that going to happen? Well, really, ultimately, through the Messiah, who was a son of Abraham. And so, through all these other names, what we're really seeing is Matthew, who seems to be writing to a more Jewish audience. He is saying, hey, Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the fulfillment of the promises to David. Jesus is the fulfillment of the promises to Abraham. And let me show you how he is connected to these men. And then as we get into Luke, if you were paying attention as you did your reading, you noticed, wait a minute, the names are different. Aha, I have found one of the contradictions of the Bible. Well, there's multiple possibilities of explanations for why the names we see are different. I've always thought that the best one and the most likely one is that Matthew is giving us the line of Joseph, while Luke is giving us the line in the lineage of Mary. Even just as you think about that, in Luke 3, verse 23, it says, Jesus, when he began his ministry, was about 30 years of age, being the son, as was supposed, of Joseph. So even there, Luke is throwing in that line, yeah, as was supposed. So even though Mary is not mentioned, he's reminding us, yeah, people thought he was the son of Joseph, but he really wasn't. Uh, not physically the son of Joseph. He was legally the son of Joseph, uh, but he was not uh, physically the son of Joseph, as Luke has already established the reality of the virgin birth. So even as we look at these genealogies in the New Testament, let's be reminded that they they should remind us of the faithfulness of the God who keeps his promises and the power of the Messiah who was promised long before he came. And let that reality of the faithfulness and the promise-keeping nature of God build our faith And may that faith be what fuels us to shine like stars against the backdrop of the darkness. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.